Hey, this is Nick Magnus Aldis, and you are listening to another wrestling podcast. It's time for uh, another wrestling podcast. Speak to me, Warrior! You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. there is! The best there was, and the best there ever will be. They think they got the answers. I change the question. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. These are the best in the world, brother. These are the best in what they do. When we talk about the legends of the sport, there's only two in my book. Another wrestling podcast. Another wrestling podcast. Now can you dig that sucker? <laughs> Welcome to another wrestling podcast. I'm Steve Credo. And I'm Jonathan Benjamin. That's right, guys. Welcome to episode 66. Jonathan, say it. I know you want to say it, so say it. It's? Come on. You know your line, man. It's on the cue card. It's going to be the most amazing show, probably best show ever today. Super excited. Steve, we have none other than Nick Aldis Magnus will be joining us today live for another wrestling podcast. That's right, everybody. If you're listening for the first time ever, head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com and listen to episodes 1 through 65. If this is the first time ever that you're listening to another wrestling podcast, and I can't stress enough, uh, this is this is unlike any other podcast out there. We're another wrestling podcast. And Jonathan, episodes 1 through 66, you can listen to any time of the day, any time of the week, and uh, you won't get bored of it, you know, because it's it's not your typical, topical wrestling show, right? No, we try our hardest to not rehash the same old things that you've heard about or that you watched on Monday Night Raw or Wednesday or whenever. So we like to talk about things and we have a doozy of a show topic today. Um, I'll get into that in a second. But we like to talk about things like Royal Rumble, best entrance themes, um, English wrestling. Worst gimmicks. You know, worst gimmicks, best gimmicks. Interviews with wrestlers. Everything and anything you guys can think of, right? Yeah, and, and we really encourage all of our listeners to be very interactive. Tweet us, email us. You know, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, tell us what you want us to talk about. It's really your show. So, I mean, I'll talk about anything, and I typically do. So, uh, you know, today's no different. Steve, today, I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but I just want to talk to you. I mentioned the Intercontinental Championship, a little known or a little talked about championship, the European Championship for WWE. Uh. Oh, I like where this is going to go already. Uh, yeah, I think we should definitely talk about it. Well, Jonathan, okay, I, I, I guess we're having a little European theme today with Magnus on the show and whatnot, but uh, Jonathan, the European Championship, really? I'll do the Miz. Oh, wait. Really? Please don't. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, it is It is one of the unsung heroes of the WWE title picture jonathan I, I never got it man i was like when they debuted it i was like oh a new belt oh 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 wait, uh uh all right what it, i i don't get it jonathan what does it mean to be the european champion if you're wrestling in america and you're an american-based company well just just chill chill out for a second all right let's just calm down let's think about this um European champion. It was another belt that they added to the arsenal of the WWE back in the day. Davey Boy Smith, British Bulldog, first ever European champion. I think it was a great idea to introduce this belt because they were traveling a lot overseas at the time, but they also were needing belts because they had such a huge roster. It was around the time of the Attitude Era, so you had a lot of guys that were kind of getting lost in the shuffle so this belt 
would be a way to kind of highlight some of those mid-card people because you had the the World Heavyweight Championship, but you also had the Intercontinental Championship, which were kind of being held by the biggest names. But with such a lot, large ro- roster, like I mentioned, um, it was very important to have another belt to kind of throw out there for some of these guys. So that's why it's important. Okay, to- well, riddle me this, Batman. Uh, what Was it better than the IC belt or the U.S. belt? What level was it on? Like, if you put them in a ranking order, you know? Like, I never knew where it stood. Was it, like, the first belt you get kind of a thing? Or was it just above a cruiserweight belt? Or, I like, I had no idea where it ever stood. Well, the thing that's important about the European Championship, like I said, the world... Was obviously your your you know your big big belt at the time. Then you had the Intercontinental Championship, which was being held by The Rock, Triple H, those kinds of people at the time. But then you also had the tag team titles, which were being tossed around by a lot of uh, high profile people. But you had people like Val Venus, like D'Lo Brown, like Owen Hart, like even Shawn Michaels at one point. Uh, these were the people that really needed a belt to kind of get to that next level so it was almost like what the intercontinental championship used to be but during the attitude era the intercontinental championships level got raised so the the european title was really there to kind of send that person up to the big leagues okay and so so I'm, I'm, as i'm sitting here thinking okay what did it prove to win it anywhere but europe i mean okay what if i'm having a match in kansas city uh you know whoever versus whoever. I don't know. I can't even think of two names right now. You're having a match in Kansas City or, uh, I don't know, American Town, USA for the European Championship. What Does that even make sense to have a European Championship match anywhere else besides Europe? So I'm going to say that <laughs> that may not have been the best idea to have it held anywhere but Europe. Um, it could have been more of a, an attraction type situation, but I think it was still cool because for the most part, they got creative with it. Uh, I do remember Al Snow coming out in Lederhosen at one point to prove that he was from Europe. Uh, D'Lo Brown used to go around and talk about, or he was introduced from different towns in Europe, but it kept <laughs> things interesting. It was, um, it was very exciting, and you know, I think, personally, that... Today would definitely be um, well-received to have a European championship. I know that it's probably not the popular choice uh, out of all the belts that they could bring back, but um, I see the European championship doing for people what the United States championship is doing for people today with John Cena doing the Open Challenge. It's getting people's names out there that maybe necessarily would have had to start at the bottom, but this kind of put them right in the middle of things. So, in my opinion, do you agree with me on which this? Doesn't, which doesn't matter, by the way. <laughs> of course it matters, everybody. Don't listen to Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan, w- if you had it today, now would you, Would I personally would love to see have like Rusev versus Sheamus, for example, or Wade Barrett versus, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, do you keep it within the wrestlers from another country or at least the European continent or, you know, as long as you're not American to, to, to win it? Would it make sense to keep it within those, uh, you know, those factions of uh, uh, wrestlers from cr- across the pond kind of a, kind of a way, think of it? Because, I mean, you know, you, d- you don't want, like, anybody or any average Joe just winning it. Like, should it mean something to win it? For somebody who's from, I don't know, like Finn Balor, example, another guy from across the seas, uh, you know, like somebody that's not from America to, to win it, would it make sense to have it like that, to where you never really defended against any American kind of a thing? I think, I don't know, I think I would personally, I'd get it if it was kind of like that, if it was just for people from not America, uh, not to be so segregated or, you know, or whatnot, but, you know, you have a lot of guys who just aren't from America anymore, and... You could have a whole division of guys, you know, with the European uh, Championship today, and that would make sense. But I think they kind of killed it in the Attitude Era. Well, um, you know, in the Attitude Era, like I said, there were so many people, and they needed to give titles to people just to keep things going. There was also the light heavyweight title back then, and there was just a plethora of titles uh, today. You know, everyone was complaining that there was the the two 
world heavyweight titles and then they combine them into one and then now people are complaining that there's just one and you know so it's a it's a kind of a never-ending battle uh it, you know you can't please everybody but yeah to your point i think there's a lot of people that have some europe european flavor uh today so let's let's say that those people get to fight for it and there's only a small group of people or whatever i'm I was still waiting for there to be like a huge faction um, in the United States, uh, in WWE more specifically, of like Sheamus, Barrett, Page, uh, Neville, Balor, like all those guys could come together and create this huge, um, awesome, Sheamus, uh, awesome, awesome faction. But, um, you know, you guys, while you're listening to this today, we want you to get on Twitter uh, at A Wrestling POD, A Wrestling Pod. And tweet tell us. us what your thoughts are. Tweet us what are your thoughts about the European title? Maybe who your favorite European champion chip or champion was? Uh, should it be brought back today? Um, you know anything and everything. We love to hear from you guys. So at a wrestling pod and let us know. Yeah, and let us know if you're one of the marks out there who actually have a European title replica. And tell me why did you ever spend the money on it? Because I want to know. I mean, out of all the belts to buy, you bought the European Championship. I want to deep down know. Tweet us. Let us know why you bought it. Out of any other belts, you bought that one. It only lasted a few years, so I really want to know. That's what I'm getting at, Jonathan. Well, you know, um, you mentioned it earlier, and I have to say this is something that's pretty amazing. Uh, it's a European show, a little European flair, and uh, I got, I, you know, I'm a, a collector of all things wrestling, right? You, you knew that. Are. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, okay, so um, I got in the mail the other day, and I know you got one as well. I did. Uh, this amazing new magazine, it is called Calling Spots, and they say that they are the professional wrestling fans magazine, which goes really well for us because we are the professional wrestling fans podcast. Uh, trademark. Every time that someone says that, we get a quarter. Um, Steve, just going through this magazine, what were your thoughts initially? Uh, because you know now that WWE Magazine is no longer with us. Um, they ended last year, and so we get a few magazines, but it's not even from WWE anymore. So I was really hurting when it came to not getting wrestling magazines. So what were your thoughts about this magazine? Jonathan, exactly. Uh, it, it- it's definitely worth any fan out there getting. Uh, it's not that much. It's only three dollars U.S. dollars. Uh, if you're not, if you're buying it from America, if you're listening to us in America, guys, head on over to CallingSpots.com. Jonathan, I miss the days of yesterday when I went to the store and picked up a great wrestling magazine to read it. Uh, they're they're far and few between these days, and I mean these guys. I mean custom artwork on the on the front page throughout the whole magazine, and it's it's a great read. You know, it's like when you pick up a magazine, it's a lot of you know a lot of ads. A lot, of, a lot of filler and stuff. They have a lot of great articles written by a lot of great fans out there. Uh, it, it's it's worth reading. And if you're a fan, you have to have this magazine. Uh, we have it. You guys should have it too. So, Jonathan, I mean, I'm a fan of Calling Spots magazine already. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? Like, they do it where it's either you can buy it for print or you can download it and uh, you can get back issues and all that stuff online. Uh, be sure to give them a, a follow on Twitter at Calling Spots. Uh, they're also on Facebook at you know facebook.com slash Calling Spots. They are on Instagram at Calling Spots. Uh, let them know that you heard about them on our podcast. Um, and you know just just support another independent uh, wrestling promotion really because we're independent. We're doing this for, for you guys. They're doing it for you. And it's an amazing magazine. I wish that they were, you know, here in the United States, and hopefully they'll become very popular over here. Uh, their mantra, you know, is very simple. They say that they provide alternative wrestling content, and they don't just bash Raw, which <laughs> is uh, which is very uh, nice of them to not bash bash all that. But uh, you know, Calling Spots magazine, check it out. We we really appreciate them sending us. The magazine. I have already, as uh, as of today, become a subscriber to Calling Spots magazine. I can't wait to get my next one in the mail. But they do have, for those of you who are just getting this message right now, 
they have a book uh, for $9.99 that you can buy that kind of chronicles their first epi- uh, I said episodes the first uh, issue so you should definitely get on there and get that uh, I can't say enough good things about Calling Spots Magazine so uh, from from here at another wrestling podcast we we give it two thumbs two big foam fingers up maybe I guess I don't <laughs> definitely. know definitely and Jonathan you mentioned it's in print order in you know digital download but guys don't take the easy way out you can if you want to but I mean the print version is awesome it's great to just have a you know a simple magazine in your hand these days you know what I mean instead of looking at it on your phone looking at it on your iPad or whatever uh, it's a great magazine uh, you know I- I'm looking through it right now as we speak Jonathan and it- it's great to-, to pick up a print magazine of uh, something pro wrestling material uh, related so it-, it it's it's don't take the easy way out guys the best the best part I think is holding the magazine in your hand and actually being able to read it anywhere uh, and not always depend on technology out there so guys pick it up today like Jonathan said let them know AWP sent you Jonathan though we're talking about the European Championship we're talking about Europe pretty much as we're we got you know our friends from across the pond from calling spots uh, so why don't we we talk to another guy who's not quite from here but you all know who he is he's Nick Aldis uh, also known as Magnus, joining us right now in the studio. Another wrestling podcast is excited to welcome our guest today. He's an author, a former world champion, and currently he's getting set for his debut with Global Force Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, please help us welcome Nick Magnus Aldis. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me yeah, definitely. Well, uh, first off, we have to congratulate you on uh, becoming a father not too long ago. Uh, how are you enjoying oh, fatherhood? You. I mean, it's it's really great. It, it, I, you know, anyone, it's one of those things, and I, the cliche thing, everyone who, it's one of those things that everyone says, but it really is true. Um, if you if you have a, a child, then you completely understand. Um, but if you don't, you probably don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, just if I, what I can say for me is it completely gave me uh, a, a whole new sort of hustle and a whole new sense of, calm and purpose um it didn't you know it's funny because i thought that i would probably become more neurotic about things like money and things like that um you know because of having someone to provide for but actually in a weird way it it gave me a bit more purpose um in terms of saying you know what like i'm gonna trust my gut and i'm gonna do this or do that and i'm you know uh, gonna try and and do everything I can to provide as much as I can. So it gave, gave me my hustle back. Sure, yeah. Uh, now, is there any chance, um, you know, uh, we'll we'll see him training to follow uh, you in your footsteps one day? I know it's kind of early, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's, it's a, a lot of people have been asking us that and saying, like, I've got a, you've got great genetics and, you know, he's going to... like his, uh, it, But for us, honestly... We both have the same opinion, whereas we're not going to discourage him from it, but at the same time, we're not going to force him to do anything he doesn't want to do. You know, sure. uh, all I cared about was that he came out healthy <laughs> and happy, and and he's been and he's been he's a, you know, an awesome kid. So he's you know, I, I'm sure I'm you know I can't help but feel at some point or other he's going to be he's going to interact with the business on some level because by the time he's a you know, walking and talking like I'm still very much going to back him in the business. I'm sure of that. So it's um, he's definitely going to be exposed to it. So I mean, who knows? All right. Now uh, it's pretty obvious, judging by your accent, that you aren't from around here uh, originally. Um, can you talk to yeah, us about your journey from from England to the United States? How did that happen? Um, sure. Well. I broke in in the wrestling business uh, I think 2005 or 2006 I think 2005 um, with the Knight family who are more well known now based on the fact that their youngest daughter Paige 
you know, in WWE um, has obviously had the incredible success and is having the incredible success that she's having. Um, and there, there's a great example of someone who has been exposed to the business since, since they were born. Um, and, and it's, and it's obviously showing through in her, uh, in her instinct and her talent. Um, I broke in with, with, uh, her parents, Ricky Knight and, uh, and Julia, um, otherwise known as Soraya Knight. And, um, yeah, they, uh, they, they were based in Norwich, which is about 45 minutes from where I grew up, uh, like going to their camps. Um, and then, uh, they, you know, they ran a lot of shows. Um, so after, so they, they would, they, they would run as, as often as they could, as far as the training school and stuff is concerned. I think they have a, a more permanent uh, school now, but back then it was, they would sort of run long, intensive weekend camps whenever they could. So I soaked up as much of it as I could. And then, um, and then I started going to another school um, just outside of London um, called Dropkicks because it ran every single week. And uh, Wade Barrett trained there, and Marty Skull, who's who's doing really great on the Indies now uh, in the UK, and a lot of other guys sort of came through here and there. Um, Doug Williams would come and be a guest trainer. Johnny Storm would come and get be a guest trainer. And it was actually there that uh, Doug um, went on one of his trips there as like a guest trainer kind of worked with me a little bit in my very, very early days as a trainee and, and then actually helped me get booked, um, for a couple of promoters. So sort of said, you know, this, this kid's got something and he can, you know, he's, he's got a good grasp of the sort of, um, old school sort of British fundamentals and stuff like that. And, um, I actually had my first ever singles match, I believe. I'd been in a few uh, like tags, six man tags and, and Royals and stuff for, for Ricky Knight um, to sort of break me in gently. But my first actual singles match was actually with Doug Williams, um, which was funny because it was like, and it was in a traditional uh, British rounds match, you know, it was like, you know, um, five minute rounds and, and uh, you know, two out of three falls, stuff like that. And, and that actually, that really helped me um, on the independent scene in England because I sort of off the back of that got booked I uh, started getting booked a few more places, and then eventually, um, I got the you know I got the word. Everyone in England was sort of trying to to work for Brian Dixon because he had so many shows. Um, he had the he had all the Butlins shows, and he was also running a lot of a lot of live events and very well attended. He was a very good promoter. Um, so, I basically one day just picked up the phone at 18 years old and called him, which seems so bizarre now to do, but um, I just called him on the phone, and he just answered, and I just. Because that, that's what all the guys had told me to do. They just said, just call him <laughs> and just tell him, tell him that you know, tell him who you are, and tell him that you, you know, tell him that you're six foot four, and that you know, you 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 got a decent look, and and you know, and you can, you're, you're not completely terrible. Although I was, I wasn't far off that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and 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 you'll get booked. And, and sure enough, he just he was like, okay, when can you start? And then after that, I I wrestled more or less like full time, like about six days a week, most of the time for, for Brian for about, um, for about a year there. And then off the back of that, somewhere along the line, I got cast, uh, for this little acting part. I'm not, I forget exactly how that came about, but a, a casting guy or someone came to one of the Butlin shows, saw me and, and then they offered me this little acting part, um, which paid like a couple of grand, which to me at the time was like a huge amount of money. <laughs> And then he also happened to have a little agency that um, that did like sort of predominantly stunt stunt guys and that sort of thing. But he just said, well, maybe if you know, every now and then these things come up, these casting calls come up for like wrestlers or stuff like that, you know. And uh, and then a few months later is when they when they announced they were bringing back uh, gladiators, you know, American gladiators, the British version, um, to TV. And he got me an audition and I got the part and then obviously it gave me a huge amount of exposure and, you know, some money in my pocket and, and, and a big public profile. And, uh, that caught the attention of, of Dixie and TNA and, and then they offered me a contract and I came over to the States. Nice. Uh, now, uh, Nick, I, I've never moved to another country, so I, I can't, you know, <laughs> answer this question, but, uh, did you ever experience any big challenges from moving, uh, from, you know, England to the USA? Was there anything, you know, that comes to mind that was just, I don't know, maybe a challenge for living in another country? Well, uh, I will say this. I mean, the, the big, the big issue for, for most people coming to America, um, uh, the Brits, especially stuff like that, is doing all the visa stuff, all the visa paperwork and, going to the embassy and, you know, the interview and all that sort of stuff. Um, 
I've been through that, you know, enough about four or five times, a couple of times to renew, and then a couple of times because I've, you know, got lost my passport or had to, you know, or, or passport expired. So if you get a new passport, then you have to get a new page, and every time you have to go through all the same thing again. But I will say this: um, for whatever reason, PNA, uh, their legal department, or Panda Energy, or whoever it was who was handling it, they always seemed to do a very, very good job of that, and, and made it as as easy as possible for me. I very, you know, really. Um, considering that a lot of the WWE guys that I knew, um, told me these horror stories of how difficult it was or how, you know, what, what, you know, what a sort of, uh, what a ball ache the whole process was. Um, I always had a relatively easy time, I have to say, uh, it was always pretty straightforward, you know, some, a lot of waiting, um, you know, and a lot of sort of bureaucracy, like you have to make sure all the forms and everything are good. And, you know, the embassy in, in London is pretty bizarre. Like, you know, I don't know whether it's just from the sort of after 9-11 or what, but like the embassy is like the security protocol is just bizarre. Like they make you all stand outside, like regardless of like, regardless like rain or shine, you have to stand outside and wait until they let you in. Like, and wow. so like I've been there before and just been like either like, you know, sweating buckets in the summer or just like, you know, soaked like because it's been like pouring rain. Um, but other than that, like it's it's pretty plain sailing. Um, as far as like the actual sort of physical move, I literally came to the United States with like a bunch of clothes in my bags. That was it. Nice. I had to sort of buy everything, you know, buy everything from scratch. I came over uh, and basically stayed in a in like one of those sort of extended stay sort of hotels, like a not not a very nice one, like a crappy travel lodge in Clearwater, <laughs> I think. Um, sure. And uh, and then I and then while I looked around for an apartment, and then. The, the, the tough, I will say the toughest thing for me for early on when I first came over was that I was like 22. Um, and even though I actually had built up a decent credit score in the UK, it didn't mean anything in the US. Like they basically went, well, you don't have any, you don't have a credit score. And I'd be like, well, I do have one in England. That doesn't matter. That doesn't count. So, you know, getting things like you have to show them your visa and your contract and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, ultimately, like it was all pretty, you know, what it, like these, these are, these are small problems in the grand scheme of things can, compared to what some people have to go through. So yeah. I, I, I can't really complain about anything like that. It's, you know, and I love America. Like I, I always dreamed of coming to America. I know it's like a very cliche thing to say, but I always did. So I was just here. I was just so, and for me, I have to remember that my first, um, sort of year or so with TNA, I was, still living in the UK. They were flying me in and out for TVs oh, wow. and all that, which wow. is unbelievable to think of. Now I can't, I can't believe sometimes that I did that schedule, like, like all those flights all the time, those long flights. Um, and, you know, cause I was doing all the house shows and all the TVs and going back and forth. But I had, I had still had uh, commitments in the UK. So it was, that was, that was, there wasn't really any discussion about it. And then one day, I just I sort of said to Terry Taylor and said, you know, you guys must have spent. I I worked it worked it out in my head quickly and said I worked out that they basically spent as much on flying me as they had on paying me. And wow. I was just like, is there some way we is there some way we can split the difference and you just give it all to me if I move here? <laughs> and that was pretty much how I negotiated my first uh, guaranteed contract. Was I basically said like, you spent X amount on like paying me this per show and all these flights. So why don't you? guaranteed to pay me X amount and I'll move to Florida. And they were like, that sounds like a good deal. So that was pretty much how it worked out the first time. Nice. That's awesome. Now, um, you mentioned it earlier, English wrestling kind of differs from what we're accustomed to here in the United States. Um, who are some of your favorite English wrestlers that you've had the chance to maybe see or even work with? Uh, well, to see, it wasn't. I didn't really get a chance to see that many live because Really, by the time I broke into the business, the scene was very much like um, either sort of very American-style shows because that's what the audience wanted because they'd seen American wrestling for so long on TV, um, or you know, just because uh, the, the, you know it just it changed. You know, that sort of traditional uh, wrestling presentation had kind of disappeared from England. Although, so we had a bit of a resurgence, but now like the indie scene in the UK is thriving. It's as, it's as good as it's ever been. There's some incredible stuff going on there now. Um, but when I started going to drop kicks, there was a very, very heavy influence of the, of the world of sport era of wrestling. Um, a lot of the trainers there, like Tony Scarlo and guys like that were very much about 
you know, they, they were all from that era and they were very much, a lot of the guest trainers were guys from that era. Even Mick McManus, who was a huge star in the UK back in the, in the 70s and 80s, he actually even came in one day, which is, you know, which is a pretty big deal to a lot of us, you know, who had sort of, because, you know, if you, if you talk to someone like my dad, I mentioned wrestling, like that'll be one of the first names he says. Oh, I used to watch Mick McManus and Jackie Palo and, you know, Giant Haystacks and Big Daddy and stuff. But um, after I went back and then I really started studying it. And then my favorites from that era, um, probably the first guy that comes to mind is uh, Mark Rocco, Mark Rollable Rocco. Um, mm-hmm. He was actually the original Black Tiger in Japan. Um, just a, just a brilliant, just a brilliant athletic wrestler. Just a real, like he was the guy who was able to take that neat kind of, um, very to a compact, uh, British wrestling style of like chain wrestling and holds and, and counter holds and things like that. And then incorporate like this high impact, like fast moving sort of battering ram kind of stuff. Like, you know, big, like, you know, heavy blows and, and stuff like that. Dynamite kid obviously was the biggest innovator of, of transitioning that into, you know, like the gymnastic stuff into like really, really good quality wrestling and high impact sort of believable stuff. Um, there's a guy called Steve Wright, who is Alex Wright's father. Um, he's an incredible wrestler. He did a lot in Japan. Um, there's some stuff that if you if you go and look up some of his stuff in Japan, it's, it's really great. Um, Marty Jones. Um, a lot of people talk about Johnny Saint. Like he his his knowledge of holds and count holds stuff is just, you know ridiculous, and he had really great conditioning. And obviously, but for me, I was was always a bigger fan of a guy called Steve Gray, who doesn't get as much of the recognition as, as Johnny Saint does. But Steve Gray was like just brilliant at, at all of the count holds up, but he was also a really good babyface, really good at selling, and, and had really sort of had a really Boy Collins, Fit Finley. Uh, those are some incredible matches that stand the test of time even to this day. So, yeah, those are great guys from England. Sure. Well, the, the internet and wrestling community was a buzz lately. Uh, talks of you joining Global Force Wrestling. Um, are you excited about this new opportunity? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't have done it if I wasn't, if I wasn't on board because, you know, obviously taking a, taking a risk. Um, but, uh, you know, Jeff Jarrett has always been a guy who looked out for me and went to bat for me, believed in me before a lot of other people did and saw more, you know, saw more for me down the road and understood that I, you know, got the, you know, was, was a really a student of the game and really wanted to be more than I was. Um, gave me a great opportunity to showcase that in India, gave me more responsibilities, um, helped me really grow as a performer and, then it coincided, you know, with him starting global, kind of coincided with me feeling like I had maxed out at TNA, like I had maxed out, I'd maxed out my earning potential and I'd maxed out my creative potential. Like I'd done everything I could do, worked with everybody I could work with. There was no one left I wanted to work with. And I, you know, it maxed out my earning potential. That was really the, the long and short of it. Was that I knew that. Like if I stayed there any longer, I was just going to be running in place. Like I'd done everything I could do and it was time for me to, you know, I wanted to see my contract through. I'd always made that promise that, you know, when I signed that last contract a couple of years ago, I said, I'll see this through because I like to stay to my word, but then I'm out of here. Sure. Oh, definitely. Now, you know, with uh, Global Force Wrestling, you know, the roster's, you know, pretty much taking shape right now. Uh, is there anybody out there that you're hoping to get a chance to work with maybe that you haven't yet uh, with yet? Ah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's one of the great things about Global already. I've already got to work with some new people and some really good talent that I haven't really seen a lot of, um, you know, or heard about and never had a chance to work with. I worked with, I've already done some live events at Global. I did, I started a couple of weeks ago on the, on the loop, uh, in, in, uh, up in the Midwest. Um, and I worked with Tommaso Ciampa one night and I worked with, um, Congo Kong on the other two nights. You know, I enjoyed both, you know, the two guys I've worked with who are both, very, very good. So, um, and for me, I think uh, out of everybody that's on the roster at the moment, the, the guy I'm looking forward to working with is, is PJ Black at some point. I think I'd, I'd love to wrestle him. I think that I really enjoy working with those kind of wrestlers because I always like being the the cat in the cat and mouse. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, and 
those are my favorite kind of matches to have, and I think I could have a really good one like that with PJ. Awesome. Now, um, you've been doing a lot of media lately and uh, talking about Global Force Wrestling, but also your newest project, which is the Superstar Body Book. Um, what made you decide to write this book, and can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, well, really, it was just one of those things where I would get frequently, um, I would be asked either at meet and greets or through my uh, website, you know, fan mail or Twitter or whatever, and people would, you know, I would get this sort of like, like, what can I do to get in better shape? Like, how do you, you know, how do you get in shape? Like, how do you know, what do you, how do you train? Like, what do you eat? What, like, what supplements do you take? And, you know, it was always in the back of my mind because I just love health and fitness. Like, that's my other big passion in life besides from wrestling. You know, and they sort of, I developed the passion for fitness, you know, and, and bodybuilding and everything like that because of my desire to look better for pro wrestling, because I was such a skinny kid, I didn't have a very positive body image. So I always, you know, so, and, and I realized that um, a lot of magazines, you know, are just a, a, a magazine for the commercials, and a lot of books can become very, um, very wordy and very sort of, there's a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of books are very kind of, I don't mean this, just, I don't mean like arrogant, but some of them are very much like, this is my fail-proof system and like this is how you do it like follow this exact program to the letter eat exactly this you know like follow this because like they think that that's what and i don't think that that's the right approach i've always believed that um you know give a man a fish and he can feed himself for a day but you know give him the means to catch his own fish and he can feed himself for a lifetime you know what i mean and that's and that's kind of what the premise of the book is it's like cutting through all the crap here's the fundamental 411 of what you need to know like Mm -hmm. you know and it's a lot of it's like practical stuff, like, you know, how to choose the right gym. Like if there are a lot of different gyms in your area, like some people don't have that, are afforded that, that choice. But if you live in America, you chances are you probably are. So it's like, you know, choosing the right gym and, and, uh, how to, how to do all these, you know, the thing like supplements, like the supplement industry is a, a, a billion dollar industry. And so much of the stuff here, a lot of supplements is just crap. It's just filler, you know, like and it's, there are little things in there. Like, look, these are the fundamental things of like that, that go into all of them. You can buy them separately and here's how you can do it on a budget. Um, yeah. You know, and just things like that. And, it, and it's really just like the basics, uh, not just the basics, but it's just like the four one one of like, all right, look, if you want to get bigger, this is what you need to do. If you want to get leaner, this is what you need to do. Like, and it's, and it's pretty cut and dry. There's a lot of things in there that go against, um, you know, a lot of the typical stuff that's, that's pumped out there by mass media because they would have an agenda to sort of sell you something, whereas this is more like this is the reality of it. You don't have to live like a monk. You know, you don't have to eat plain chicken breast, you know, every two hours, blah, 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 like this and that. You don't have to live like that. You can enjoy, you know, eggs and bacon. You can do this and that. You know, it's just a, it's just a way to mean how to manipulate your body to, to adapt. Um, plus, I think the other thing about the books that I really, that I always want to do and, I, and I'm really proud of is the fact that I basically said, look, you shouldn't ever take one person's advice. Don't just take my word for it, okay? Like, don't, don't just blindly believe everything I tell you. Here's Rob Perry. Like, here's his, look at him. Here's his take on, like, how to supplement, like what he does. Here's Kurt Angle, you know, the greatest wrestler ever lived, you know, like the, and, you know, the, an unbelievable athlete, one of the greatest athletes that the world has ever seen. Here's what he does as far as mental visualization. Here's his prep, you know, here's, here's his like take on how he's been able to keep himself at such a high level. You know, girls, you want to know why Brooke has such a, you know, has that, has that famous, you know, button legs. Like here's a workout routine. You know what I mean? Sure. And there's all sorts of great guys like that. There's a uh, there's a, a friend of mine, Nick, who's a, a world class trainer in Baltimore, who's worked with like NBA players and NFL players and stuff like that. Like he's written a really great piece. Um, the CEO of Natural Stack Supplements has written a great piece. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of different people. It's called Superstar Spotlight, where there's all sorts of different people have interjected their stuff. So you're really not just getting my advice; you're getting advice from all the people that I've interacted with had the privilege to get advice from through the years. And now it's all together in one book. That's great. Now, uh, yeah. where can, where can people find this book? Uh, is it online or is it in the stores? Yeah, it's, um, it's available on all the major, but basically all the major sort of uh, book outlets, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, 
uh, book depository. Um, you know, you, you can download it to all the major e-readers. Um, paperbacks available. I think hard copies on pre-order. Um, I think you can get maybe hard copy from the UK if you want to pay the shipping if you're in the US. Um, but to get all the different options, I mean, you can pretty much if you just search super, the Superstar Body, it will come up. But if you want to, be, if, to get all the, the different ways you can get it, all at the super at my the website for it is superstarbodybook.com or one word superstarbodybook.com. All right. Uh, now, uh, Nick, other than wrestling, you have some acting credits to your name, too. Uh, do you have any new projects in the works that you could tell us about or maybe, you know, something in the future um, you'll be working on? No, not right now. Um, it's funny, like, a lot of the acting stuff I've had really just come up by, by chance. Um, my, you know, I have an agent in Los Angeles and I have one in London. And uh, my London agent recently has been coming through quite a lot of stuff. And, and she, you know, so, but it's, it's, it's the same as anything, you know, you audition and you, you see what happens. Um, right now, there's nothing uh, I can think of that's, that's booked, but um, I'm always I'm always keeping it on the, you know, on the back burner. It's not something I really go out of my way to actively pursue. I will say this, I did get submitted, I did get submitted for that part in the Bond movie that Batista got. I was very upset. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Now we um, we have to ask you real quick. I know you're a very busy person, but um, we find ourselves asking all of our guests this a lot. But um, what are you looking most forward to in the future? Whether it be through wrestling or just life in general, what are some of the some of your goals in the future? Um, well, uh, what I'm looking forward to right now is um, being part of something, you know, from from the on the ground floor, but like global. Um, Jeff is is affording me um, some opportunities to you know uh, on on you know for, for stuff at global outside of wrestling um, you know in the sense of giving me some more responsibilities um, in, which is which is good for me because I have a real sort of entrepreneurial drive you know that I want to try and exercise a little bit um, and I'll be sort of doing some more of that stuff and and thanks to you know my time at TNA I've been able to build up a little bit of, of capital to be able to maybe, you know, to maybe look into some, some more stuff. Um, you know, so that, that's right now. It's like, I'm very excited about working, like doing things on an entrepreneurial level. Um, you know, we just announced, uh, global's first UK dates. Um, you know, and, um, you know, we're not swinging to the fences, you know what I mean? We're, we're, we're you know, we're starting slow. We're not, you know, we're not going to run before we can walk, you know, we're, we're, we're booking, uh, you know, good venues, but they're not arenas, you know, they're good, they're good sized venues, but they're not arenas. And I'm having a big part in, you know, I'm actively involved in, in, in that, um, which I'm very excited about. And I'm really enjoying working on a, you know, sort of administrative level with the, with the UK shows. So I want to do everything I can to make sure they're a success. And, um, just looking out for, you know, for new opportunities, working with new people and, you know, exploring the business on different levels. It's, um, we've got the, uh, Mickey and I have, got the first uh, Superstar Seminars uh, seminar, which we're doing here in Richmond on uh, August 8th and 9th. We've got Bill DeMott as our guest uh, trainer who's taken the first seminar. It's a two-day seminar, and we've had really good response to that. Like, places are filling up faster, a lot of enrollments. That's going to be something we continue to do, not just here in Richmond, but all over the world. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm just enjoying, um, you know, branching out and adding some strings to my bow, some within wrestling and some outside of it. That's great. Now, uh, Nick, any, for anybody listening right now that may not uh, follow you on social media or whatnot, can you uh, let them know uh, where to keep up with you uh, these days? Sure. Um, website is nickaldis.com, N-I-C-K-A-L-D-I-S.com, and you can email me for bookings, nick at nicholas.com. Um, my Twitter is still at magnusofficial. That's what it's going to stay that way for now. Um, and uh, my Instagram is at nickaldis. So right. they're, they're my they're my outlet you can get me out at the moment perfect uh, Nick we, we really appreciate you coming on today we wish you nothing but the best with the new book and uh, you know all the best to you in your future uh, wrestling career uh, thanks for joining us alright thank you very much guys thanks for having me on I want to thank Nick Magnus Aldis uh, thank you so much for joining us on another wrestling podcast uh, go out and get his book as well when we're talking about things you know, he really has a good plan for people who want to try to, you know, get in shape. So go out there and and look for his book. 
we can't say enough good things about him. Can't wait to have him back on the show. Definitely. Um, and you know what, Steve? Yeah. We were we were still talking about. If you're an American you're, before you go in the bathroom, what are you when you're in the bathroom? Oh my God! This European, is not <laughs> European baby. That's the only joke I have for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, oh, you told a joke? That was a joke. European, oh, okay. In the bathroom, yeah, I know. I got it. European, I got it. European. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're done. You're done. Um, you know there, there's so many great talents we we spoke about that are from Europe. They're constantly coming in to the WWE. There's a lot of them in the performance center right now. Um, do you have a favorite European right now? My favorite European, Jonathan, is Finn Balor, of course. Uh, you know, the body paint stands out. Incredible athlete, you know, doing stuff nobody else is doing right now. Hopefully he moves up soon uh, to the high ranks of the, the main roster. But, I mean, I am still can't wait to see what he does with the NXT championship. But, uh, yeah, man, I, definitely him. And I know there's a lot of other guys still uh, in developmental who, who could one day... Well, never really hold the European Championship, but maybe fit into that little category we were talking about, right? I was really hoping now that like Wade Barrett was back on the prowl. He's you know the king. Um, I was hoping that they would give him the European Champion Championship because uh, he was the Intercontinental <laughs> Champion there yeah. for a while, and uh, I thought he would maybe then switch he, it up. Then even Rusev, you know, even that they had that opportunity to do it, and it was just like, eh, we don't know. They didn't want to bring yeah, it back I mean, and. What they could have done, too, is they could have splintered that off of the whole Cena-Rusa feud whenever Cena beat him at WrestleMania. Then they could have he could have came out the next night and said, well, you may have beat me for the United States Championship, but you did not beat me for the European Championship. And it would have been a cool little angle that could have went on for a while. But, um, yeah. you know... And I, I, and I, just, I, know I, just, I know there's a Mark, though, sitting at home listening, being like, but guys, they uh, unified the belt with the Intercontinental Championship. And, uh, yeah, we know. We're just saying. So. Well, let's uh, let's not uh, alienate our audience here, Steve. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you don't all sound like that. Uh, I was just going but on maybe you do. I don't know. Yeah, you, you're done for the night. Um, for the fans that we didn't just lose, uh, if you like what you're hearing right now, we urge you to follow us on all forms of social media we mentioned twitter earlier but we have a huge presence on youtube so be sure to subscribe to us on youtube that is youtube.com slash another wrestling pop they will not let us put the entire name that's not our fault um we are youtube.com slash another wrestling pod you get youtube exclusives that you won't find anywhere else you get independent spotlight, which we have just started, and uh, our first one coming out of the gate was amazing. We had none other than Dick Justice on there, and um, we have lots of things coming up, but there's new videos all the time. Be sure to subscribe to us, talk to us on there, um, and also comment on our videos. That's right, guys. We want to hear from you. That's the whole important part of this is to communicate with us. Let us know what you love, what you hate, what I'm doing right, what Jonathan is doing wrong, all the fun stuff and important things in life, Jonathan, for another wrestling podcast. Uh, but that's that's what keeps the show going, you know, hearing from you guys out there, letting us know, you know, things that we may have missed or things that we should have talked about. And, hey, let us know who your favorite European champion was because that's what we're kind of talking about right now. Uh, Jonathan, you mentioned, though, you know, the Attitude Era had so many stars deserving of titles. Uh, now, today, you can kind of take a lot of those stars because they kind of have European gimmicks, in a sense, and give them the European Championship. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. Do you think it could be resurrected? Do you think it still has a chance? I mean, or would it just be a flop? I mean, all in all. You know, I think that there's some nostalgic uh, feel to it. I think that there's people that are in and around our age that probably grew up with the Attitude Era and it would probably be cool for um, you know for a while I don't think it would last a very long time just because of the restrictions that they would have on it you know there's only so many European wrestlers that are there but if they opened it up to anybody I think it would be cool to bring back for maybe like a year or whatever and every now and then dust it off but um, you know like they used to have the Night of Champions pay-per-view where they could bring out that title and I think it could be more of like a King of the Ring situation where 
you know, only European people were allowed to to re wrestle for it, and then they get the the honor of being the European champion for like a year, and then they have to defend it against the next person at the next year or something like that. Um, that's that's my way of thinking. I don't think that everybody uh, everybody <laughs> subscribes to Jonathanisms. <laughs> well, there you go. All right, guys. Well, we uh, we barely scratched the surface, Jonathan. And I need a new going to kind of phrase. But uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the European Championship. Some of our thoughts, some of the things we thought about, some of the stuff we like, some of the stuff we hate. Uh, we could talk about it again. We can get more into it on another show. But uh, guys, once again, let us know what you heard, what you loved, what you hated. And we'll get back to you, and uh, maybe we'll make a European Championship Part 2 one day. Uh, but Jonathan, all in all, man, there's a lot of things happening in the world. There's a lot of things happening with another wrestling podcast, so stay tuned to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. Guys and gals and children of all ages, you don't want to miss anything, because uh, we have a few surprises up our sleeve, and we're not going to tell you, so uh, stay tuned is what we kind of want to get at, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's the kind of the whole idea behind the surprise, Steve. But uh, <laughs> another... Huge thank you to Nick Aldis today, uh, Calling Spots Magazine. You know, you can come see us live August 1st. Steve, where will we be August 1st? Jonathan, we're going to be at Duchess Stadium for Wrestling Under the, Star under, for wrestling under the Stars for Northeast Wrestling. Uh, we're going to be hanging out with Lanny Poffo, who's going to be hanging out with us. He's bringing the Macho Man's Hall of Fame ring in. We're going to, you know, be hanging out with Lanny, meeting and greeting fans, uh, and enjoying that whole show. So, guys, if you're around the Wappingers Falls area, come on down to Dutchess Stadium and uh, meet Lanny Poffo. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be two geniuses and Steve. So, stop by. Um, you can get pictures with us. Um, you know, we don't bite, and uh, maybe we'll we'll have a little thing where you can stump stump the geniuses. Um, it would be amazing to meet you guys. So, we will be there. None other than the genius, like you mentioned. Ric Flair is going to be there. Ray Mysterio Jr., Matt Taven, Northeast Wrestling Champ, um, you know, Alberto El Patron, the Young Bucks. I can go on and on and on. Just be at the show. Tickets are still available. There's a meet and greet that day and uh, live in the Hudson Valley here. So if you are a, a native of this area, stop on by. And, and come say hello to another wrestling podcast. That's right, Jonathan. And one last thing. If you head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com, scroll over to About Us, go down to Sponsorship. If you guys want to be sponsored on our show, let us know. We have many different levels of sponsorship, so check out the site. We'll come to your show. We'll plug your show. And, uh, hey, we'll, uh, we'll do some business. Another wrestling podcast and another wrestling company. So, guys, check us out. We'll get you on the show, we'll talk about your show, and we'll have fun in the process of getting out to all of uh, the 15,000 followers on Twitter and the millions around the world, Jonathan, who listen to another wrestling podcast. So check us out, guys, and maybe we'll be in a town near you one day. <sighs> another wrestling podcast. Another wrestling podcast.